Alright, welcome back to the Ministry of Truth podcast. This is uh, our second episode. I am Mitch Strider. Yeah, and I'm Colin Carpenter, and we thank you uh, for last week, everybody, tuning in. We got a lot of great feedback, um, and so we're going to kind of piggyback this week off of what we talked about and going into the kind of the call for defunding the police and police reform, and we're going to kind of dive into what, what that actually means and what that looks like, and is it something that's actually achievable? Uh, and so this uh, this week, I think uh, Mitch, uh, Mitch is going to take is, is, is going to take the lead on that, and so we'll go ahead and get and get started. Yeah. So basically, our objective is to is to dissect what you're hearing uh, being screeched by the mobs. You know, the defund the police, abolish the police, uh, versus the more you know uh, mainstream you know police reform. Um, and we're just going to kind of deconstruct each of those. And uh, and try to give a an an honest report on what these people are are asking for. You know, we're going to try to be as objective as we can, and then uh, you know after that we're going to kind of have some commentary and you know give y'all our opinion on the subject, and uh, you know essentially how viable what they're asking is, and we're going to lay out some uh, you know some what we believe is the correct course of action. So yeah, um, to get started, um, like I say, let's just kind of break down uh, these terms: defunding the police, or police reform, and abolishing the police. Um, obviously, uh, in Minneapolis, I mean, it's been all over the news. Uh, the concept of defunding the police. The city council has voted uh, with a veto-proof majority to uh, defund the police department. Uh, from my understanding, it's going to be done in a phased approach. Um, as to avoid any kind of like big shock to the community, um, and based on reports that I've uh, come across, uh, basically what the people, what the leaders in Minneapolis are suggesting be done or, or pr- proposing be done, is to essentially divvy up the the responsibilities that are now assigned to the police department. Uh, I know one, uh, you know, example that we keep hearing uh, parroted back on the news is uh, a a rapid response social worker um, that could be deployed in situations involving domestic violence and people in, uh, you know, with mental crisis. And uh, so, yeah, it would be things along that lines. Uh, they talk about uh, like a department in the city that deals specifically with issues involving the homeless, um, you know, the different things like, you know, a department specifically for, for traffic uh, issues. So essentially just divide up their, their responsibilities into offices that are less um, focused on on like actual like uh, I guess law enforcement you know in the in the standard sense uh, you know criminal law enforcement um, I, they're, they're it's trying to have a more community focused approach so yeah Colin you got any thoughts on that yeah and so I think this kind of you know piggybacks on what we were talking about last week as it comes to like social justice and one of the things that they're kind of, and this is kind of abolish the police or defund the police, police reform, these different words is what we're getting at here is we're trying to figure out how do we kind of set up, so we fix some of these deep problems in society that we see that they are, that there is injustices within society 
And so we're trying to figure out how do we solve these problems? Can can we defund the police? Is this a plausible option? Uh, I I think there's some interesting points they bring up. I, I think we do need to take a look at what should a policeman's job be? You know what what should their actual role be within the community? And um, maybe some of these programs would would be good ideas, or maybe this would cause you know crime to skyrocket if you pull back. Uh, the police budget and pulled them out of the area and so th th these are interesting options and I, I enjoy kind of seeing people argue them out and debate them uh, because I mean I, I think this is a, gr a, a good opportunity to try to figure out exactly who it is that we want to be as a society when it comes to you know trying to implement justice and execute justice and uh, making sure that everybody around us is being treated equally yeah um so essentially like there's also another sect of the of this movement that's uh you know outright callish, calling for the abolishment of the police whereas the defund the police movement is essentially you know uh like scrap the police department and divvy up its task uh and uh you know still retain i mean in in these cities where they're discussing it they would still have a police department it's just that its responsibilities would be limited to like i i would assume like actual violent crime and uh things like that that would require uh police presence um and and you know that where confrontation is absolutely necessary but uh in this uh this group of people and it is a minority within the movement um that is calling for the abolition of the police is more of a I guess you could say uh, an anarchist uh, leaning uh, portion of the movement um, you know they're fed up with uh, police misconduct and they want to abolish it and replace it with nothing um, this is something that a lot of people uh, find you know a very hard pill to swallow understandably and uh, but you know, nonetheless, it's a it's a position that a lot of a lot of people are espousing. So it's something that we're going to uh, consider. Um, and then you kind of come back to the more traditional, something that's long been discussed and unfortunately not really effectively acted on, is the uh, just concept of policing reform. And that can take different forms and uh, can be executed to different degrees. We're going to get into that. Um, so, yeah, I feel like that kind of gives us a better understanding of what it is that these, you know, why, that these widespread protests across America, what, what these protesters are demanding. And uh, so I, I feel like we can, we can move forward with that understanding. Yeah. Um, so on the federal level, um, you know, as a result of all the unrest, uh, there's been two bills put forth, one in the House and one in the Senate. Um, the bill in the House has been sponsored by Republican Tim Scott, and uh, or excuse me, that's in the Senate, and uh, the it's a obviously a, a Republican-backed bill. Um, the Senate is you know does have a, a Republican majority, and then in the House side of Congress, uh, there's a Democratic-backed bill um, that is the titled the Justice and Policing Act. And uh, it's it's obviously got the the endorsement of the the Democratic Party, so they are somewhat at odds with each other. Um, they contain different measure, you know. So the different bills, uh, you know, do have some overlap, but they also uh, 
there's certain aspects of the Republican bill that are the Democratic uh, police reform bill that are just like completely omitted in the in the Republican uh, piece of legislation. So that's something that's uh, <laughs> that's worth uh, discussion before uh, Congress moves forward with it. Um, from my understanding, the uh, bill in the Senate has pretty much been effectively stalled, um, but the Democratic Justice and Policing Act uh, has actually gained, uh, has actually passed, uh, you know, received approval from the House and will be moving on to the Senate. Um, it had uh, a unanimous Democratic support um, with a few more moderate Republicans. Um, the, the basically the difference between the two um, was uh, the the Democratic bill was much stronger, um, much much broader reaching, uh, and it's it's you know essentially its tactics in addressing this police reform. It uh, effectively like I mean it takes a it takes a big hit at uh, you know the concept of qualified immunity, which is you know a huge part of the you know put the 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 debate regarding uh you know the misconduct of the police and and how they're held responsible um whereas the republican bill just completely omitted it um in fact president trump uh said that he will not sign a bill that involves curtailing qualified immunity um and for you know our listeners that aren't familiar with the term it's essentially a, a legal concept that indemnifies uh, police officers who are acting, you know, with you know on the clock within their scope uh, as a law enforcement officer, even if it involves misconduct, uh, they're given they're given you know pretty much legal immunity from prosecution or uh, you know people seeking civil settlements against them individually. Um, so I, you know, yeah, that's that's something that's it's it's allowed a lot of bad cops to uh, you know get off the hook um, and just not be held accountable for their uh, you know pretty egregious actions. Um, so yeah, um, the Republican bill just completely left that out. Um, the Democratic uh, bill effectively like uh, explicitly bans the use of chokeholds. Um, uh, it, Basically, I'm not sure if it criminalizes it or it's just, uh, you know, essentially um, forbidding police departments from from authorizing that within their, you know, department policy. Um, Whereas the Republican bill just, uh, they essentially uh, suggested that the the individual police departments throughout the country uh, prohibit that that particularly particular action um, and the consequence if they don't is they are omitted from they, they're rendered ineligible from certain kinds of federal funding so it does offer them a way out if these various police departments do feel strongly about it and you know if they don't revolt you know certain departments don't re- uh, rely heavily on uh, federal funding so they might not feel motivated to make changes to their internal policies um, and uh, yeah lastly the the Democratic bill uh, creates a countrywide database that uh, requires uh, and it requires all police departments to submit information regarding uh, officer misconduct into this national database so uh, that you know if a police officer is you know, uh, 
uh, investigated internally and found to be engaging in some kind of uh, serious misconduct and dismissed, they, uh, you know, there there will be a barrier to entry from them to just, you know, essentially just hopping over to the next town over and applying to be a cop in another jurisdiction um, because there will be they, the, the bill also mandates that uh, police departments use this uh, database as part of screening new applicants so yeah um, it's looking like you know the democratic bill is the one that's moving forward it's stronger and uh, in my view it's uh, it's significantly better and more effective um, but yeah, Colin, you got it. Got yeah. anything? I mean, I think definitely ending qualified immunity is, I think, the most important thing coming out of this. Like, if, if there's one thing that we need to make sure happens, it's that. I, I know uh, Justin Amash, a representative in the House, sponsored a bill to end qualified immunity. Um, I've read, you know, several stories on how um, bad acting policemen have been able to get away with certain actions. Like, I was reading one the other day about a, a policeman that was trying to shoot a dog and he ended up missing and shot a 10-year-old child in the house and the cop you know, just got away with it. There was never a trial or nothing was held. And then, of course, this has uh, happened in places like uh, in, in in Louisville uh, with the Breonna Taylor uh, shooting. Um, I think this is something... I, I, don't, I believe everybody, no matter what your profession, should be held accountable for your actions. And uh, I think getting, doing away with this particular... Um, item uh, would be greatly beneficial to society as a whole and so I mean I, I definitely agree that the Democratic bill is stronger in that regard as it does do away with ending uh, qualified immunity yeah I mean it's definitely uh, the it's, it's something that should be the central focus of any piece of police reform legislation um, you know it's it's uh, they, we could go on and on all day of examples of you know these officers doing things that are just unfathomable and uh essentially just getting you know get out of jail free card whereas you know if any of us were uh you know if any you know just regular citizen was was this reckless and this you know just had this level of disregard for the safety of others um you know we would be uh, you know easily charged with manslaughter if not a higher crime um, so yeah, like I say, this needs to be a central part of any kind of piece of le legislation going forward. It needs to be highly curtailed or eliminated entirely. Um, but, uh, you know, we've discussed the, the Republican proposal and the Democratic proposal. But, you know, the, at the end of the day, it's, a, it's important that we realize that, you know, these are both half measures. Um, that, you know, even if this bill passes, if it's not, you know, essentially gutted by the Senate, which is not beyond, you know, <laughs> it's certainly not beyond, uh, you know, the, the idea, the, the realm of what could be expected, um, assuming it, it retains its current strength, still, there's the, it leaves police with way too much pretense to confront and instigate conflict with uh, otherwise peaceful American citizens. These problems will continue, um, you know, whereas it might get better in some regards if we're, if they're heavy-handed in their reforms, um, the the, the underlying, uh, you know, Leviathan is still there. Um, so that's what we're going to talk about, uh, you know, what we can actually do uh, 
you know, in an, in an ideal scenario, some, some actual actionable items that we can do to uh, highly curtail or put an end to uh, this police misconduct and the, uh, you know, mistreatment of, uh, of Americans. Colin? Yeah, I mean, I think you know, the first thing is ending qualified immunity. I think that would be uh, a huge step forward. Um, but for, I mean, really the problem with how the American police system is set up really began 50 years ago um, with the start of the war on drugs. Um, this, this is, if we want to get to the root uh, of the issue, the heart of the issue with how the what you know the problems that are going on within the American police system it all begins there um, that was where a lot of the militarization of the police um, began to grow as well as the profit motive um, within the police system to you know the more you uh, arrest people on drug charges uh, the more you know the, uh, the more drug charges that you bring in the more well-funded your police system is going to be and you know drugs you know while they are a terrible thing um they are rampant all across our society there's many people that use them um and so the the police while these people are you are you know maybe doing something to their own body uh that is not beneficial to them they're not causing harm upon any of their neighbors um just by using these substances and it incentivized the police to go out and begin arresting uh these people to you know drive up their uh um, their budgets, yeah, their you know, budgets and yeah. things like that, and this eventually is where it started to cause a, a divide within society because there really is no difference between a rich person and a poor person, how, like how much drugs they use. It's you know statistically it's even across all demographics, all identity groups, all all across society. Um, so, but with the rich people. Uh, particularly upper class, uh, you know, whites, they are able to afford some good lit litigation, uh, which causes when, sh when the when their charges are overturned, or or maybe they take a plea deal that's much that's much less impactful. Um, the police budgets aren't aren't getting boosted as much, and so this is where they begin going into poor and minority communities to drive up their drug charges. Um, and their drug arrest because they're not able to afford proper litigation and this leads to a massive amount of arrest um, because they're all relying on public defenders offices to defend them and they are and that's another thing that needs to be completely redone is because the public defenders office is incredibly overworked like I was talking to a public defender one time and he said that within his department um, at any given time every public defender had hundred and fifty cases hmm. that they were it's like that's, that's, yeah, that's common that's, that's way that's, that's they're being way overworked they're not being paid well enough and it's causing you know all and then they're trying to represent 150 people at one time um and so it's driving up these arrest rates driving up the prison rates and then causing these people that they are arresting um to be removed from their home for you know years a lot of these are felony charges uh, which lead to the loss of voting rights, uh, loss of gun rights, loss of, I mean, you, it's extremely difficult to find a, a job. Uh, most yeah, states don't can't have, even find yeah. somewhere to live. Yeah, right. I mean, in most states, they don't have any way to um, sponge those charges off mm -hmm. your record. 
Um, some states are beginning to make some reforms in that regard, so that, that is a good thing that we need to keep encouraging and make sure we're going all, all, all across. Is once you've gotten out of jail, once you've gotten out of prison, um, that there are ways to get those things off your record because if, you, if you've served your time, there's no reason to continuously be punished for something that you've already been punished for. And so, I mean, I think the decriminalization of nonviolent drug offenses is probably the number one issue that we need to be focusing on in, uh, in, in, in regards to police reform uh, within America. Yeah, Colin, I like that you brought up the, the issue of, you know, how policing budgets and city budgets come into this. Um, when the police are empowered with the ability to essentially swoop into a community with a heavy hand and, uh, you know, uh, arrest people, charge people, uh, you know, put people in jail for these victimless crimes, it creates a very perverse incentive. Um, it goes from you know, a desire to protect the community from people who are actually posing an imminent threat to others' well-being, um, to where you know you're you're essentially trying to you know you these cops are given quotas for arrest and quotas for citations, um, to where you know they're essentially uh, creating a. a and a, an entire economy based on you know extorting money from the populace and that money is used to you know pay people's salaries and you know fund you know different politicians pet social programs and all this so i mean it's a it's essentially just you know a, another another way to to take money from people under a under a false and illegitimate pretense um but yeah um uh moving forward um, I've actually got several points here. Um, uh, like I mentioned earlier, uh, some actual actionable items. Um, you know, we, uh, you know, you you hear people screaming for re police reform, and they're just ambiguous for what they mean by it or what they're really asking for. And uh, you know, the people you do hear asking for specific things, oftentimes it's just you know sounds outlandish what they are asking for so we've come up with a couple couple different points that are actually uh that we think is is within the realm of uh realm of what would be acceptable to uh expect from our police and uh you know to basically uh, essentially hold them accountable uh legally to to behave in this way um obviously as we discussed earlier um, I think it's crucial that we end qualified immunity. Um, at the end of the day, police are civilians. They are not, uh, you know, military combatants. They uh, are should be held to the same uh, to the same level of accountability, if not a higher level of accountability, that any other citizen is. So, I mean, if a police acts in bad faith, uh, you know, a policeman acts in bad faith, uh, in you know, a way that's either just uh, outright malicious or just in a you know manner that's completely disregarding uh, you know the value of human life uh, they need to be held accountable for that um, they need to answer for that um, and then also like Colin mentioned uh, decriminalization of nonviolent drug offenses um, this is a big one um, this is something that we've actually been gaining support with both on the left and the right in the last uh, you know probably decade or so uh, you know it's it makes up a huge portion uh, of the load on our criminal justice system um, it disproportionately affects poor and minority communities 
and uh, essentially has just created a entire you know generations of of you know this cycle of despair um and uh, which is something we could go with. we could spend an entire episode yeah. discussing the the merits of the drug war um you know perhaps that's something we'll do in the future but we're just kind of kind of skim over the the, de- the 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 details here um yeah so obviously decriminalization of nonviolent drug offenses um pursue that in a different more effective way outside of the criminal justice system um, and then uh, another big one is uh, is a massive overhaul of criminal and penal codes to uh, curtail police interaction um, with people that are otherwise just just peaceful, you know, going throughout their daily lives. We need to take a hard look at our at our criminal code, and uh, you know, really scrutinize what we consider to be a crime worthy of being put in a cage for. Um, I mean, is is somebody selling up you know a carton of cigarettes on the the side of a street uh without you know uh the without getting the the paperwork with the rubber rubber stamp is that really something is that is that worth locking someone in a cage for um is somebody uh you know maybe owning a some type of firearm with a you know maybe the firearm has a attachment on it that's you know not up to some you know vague legal standard uh is that really something worth putting you know if somebody's minding their business and and has there's no reason to believe they have intention to harm anyone is that really worth you know uh starting a, a confrontation with the police and trying to put someone in a cage for um, and it goes on and on. Um, the there was a study done a while back to uh, essentially quantify the number of criminal offenses uh, in our federal code, uh, and the uh, conclusions of the study were it was undetermined, but it was at least uh, it was it was they determined that it was at least six hundred thousand. Uh, felony level criminal offenses um, which I mean I just I, I feel like that just doesn't yeah. pass the reasonable person test yeah. I, think, um, I think like the joke is like everybody commits eight felonies a day whether you know it or not yeah something like that yeah. so I mean the idea here is that if we take you know if we get rid of these you know frivolous uh, you know largely ineffective statutes it'll take away the pretense that you know look that leads to police interaction that often turns negative to start with so essentially uh you know taking care of the you know preventing uh these these conflicts from even taking part in the first place um and then finally um this is something that me and colin have discussed in in a you know just amongst ourselves and this is something that uh i feel like it's kind of specific to a solution that that me and him have discussed i haven't really heard it uh paired it in the mainstream um but i nonetheless i think it has a lot of validity um i think we just i mean i think we should take a good hard look at uh you know what what do we get out of our city police departments versus our you know county level law enforcement uh our, our county level peacekeepers um you know the sheriff's department to be particular um you know, it's it's very rare that you hear of these instances of uh, of sheriff's departments um, with these just awful instances of, of police brutality and overreach. Um, and that's because, you know, largely because they have elected accountability. You know, that's not something you have in police departments. 
So, uh, I mean, me and Colin have definitely discussed that we should be t <laughs> curtailing the the responsibilities that we delegate to police departments and instead giving these responsibilities to sheriff's departments. Um, they've proven themselves up to the task. Um, you know, not to say that they're uh, with a, without fault. Um, you know, there's absolutely, you can cite examples of, you know, they're, they're human beings too. People mess up from time to time, but it's it's much less unlikely for a, for a, a confrontation with a, you know, sheriff's deputy uh, to, to turn, you know, sour than it is with a city policeman. Um, but yeah, Colin, you got anything to say about that? Yeah, um, I mean, the originally, you know, way back in the day, the job of the sheriff was not to be a law enforcer. And, like, I think that's where we've somehow gone off the rails is it seems like in, that we've, we've included the sheriff's department in the law enforcement category, but that's not historically the job. It's Absolutely. Just, its job was to you know, kind of just keep the peace within this county. Um, and the sheriff, I mean, really because the, the sheriff derives from what's known as the Shire Reeve, which was way back in the, the old English days. And so within your shire, which was basically the, a county, you elected a reeve. And the reeve was there to basically keep the peace within the county, but also protect its citizens uh, from a government that was coming in to try to take its property or raise its taxes or things like that. And it was there to kind of stand at the line and say, you're not doing this in my county. And somehow along the way, we've kind of lost that and made the sheriffs, you know, just another form of police. Um, and I think while I, and I think we do need to pull back on the power of city police and give that to the sheriff's department. I think we need to make sure that we are also reforming kind of the job of the sheriff to where he's not there to, you know, do whatever it is that the, that the governor is telling him to do, that he's there to keep the peace within his community and his deputies are there to keep the peace within their community, make sure there's nothing, you know, no violent actions being taken, but otherwise just keeping the peace and making sure their citizens are being protected from government overreach. I mean, because that is what their original job was. And I and the main thing with the sheriff's department is like he said earlier, they are elected. Like the sheriff is elected. He is directly held accountable to his citizens. He has to be, you know, in he has to live in that county, whereas a city policeman can be just a guy that's been, you know, moved from some other from some other town and, and that, that, that and that a mayor brings in or a city council brings dagger. in. Yeah, the, the city council uh, brings in to a point and kind of run their community, which maybe he had no attached, no, you know, no um, prior roots yeah, in, yeah, no before. vested interest. Yeah, and so the sheriff at least has been elected, and so if he's not doing a good job, we can at least step up and say, "Hey, you're not doing a good job. You're stepping. You're you're getting out." Whereas the city policeman, he's just appointed, and you have no say in the matter, and he's there explicitly to do the will of the mayor, where the sheriff is there to do the will of the people. And so I think it's it makes much more sense that we pull back on the power of city police in this regard and give that to the sheriff while also reforming the idea of the sheriff and um, to to being more of a you know peacekeeper and not so much a law enforcer of the state yeah I mean I personally come from a from a very long line of elective sheriff elected sheriffs here in the state of Mississippi um, my grandfather and my grandmother several uncles um, all were you know elected sheriffs and uh, you know the ones that I've some of them were before my time obviously um, but the ones that I have had the privilege to know I mean they're not you know 
uh, rule Nazis, I guess. Yeah. I mean, they they make it clear that that they're there to to maintain the peace. That their that their interest is in uh, you know protecting the dignity and well being of their community. Uh, I mean, like uh, uh, I don't want to uh, say any names here, but like uh, a sheriff once told me uh, was that you know he his department had a, a finite amount of resources, um, you know, uh, whether that be in, in personnel or you know budgetary or whatever. Uh, they had a finite amount of resources, and so you know he made the choice that it was in the best interest of his community for him to direct those resources towards combating violent crime, murder, rape, uh, arson, um, and, you know, serious property crime, theft, burglaries, uh, things like this, you know, that, that's what he determined to be the, the, the best use of resources that would do the, you know, that, that would ensure the, the well-being of, of his electorate. And, uh, I mean, that's something that, I, I mean, I was very impressed when, when, he, when he told me that. And I mean, I feel like it really reflects, I, I feel like that kind of gives you a, a better understanding of, you know, I feel like it's a very good example of the, of the attitude of what a, what a sheriff is and what it should be. Um, so yeah, um, it's uh, definitely, uh, uh, you know, restate it there, um, <laughs> take power away from uh, city police departments and, uh, you know, uh, give that power to, uh, you know, county sheriffs. So, um, yeah, um, we've left a little bit of time here for, for open discussion. Um, you got anything on your mind, Colin? I mean, I think it's important also that we're not trying, we're not police haters. We're not, we're not on the, that all, you know, all cops are pigs or anything like that. I think people that, you know, say stuff like that, they're going a little bit too far. Um, but, you know, while we're not against police, right, we, we think that, you know, being active in your community to make sure that there aren't violent offenses being committed is, you know, that's that's a good thing. Um, but we need to make sure that we're reforming it and we're and that it's being done in a way in which nonviolent offenders, you know, so people that are that that the government has made a law against, uh, but they're not actually causing harm to somebody else. That those people aren't being charged with crimes because those aren't those aren't real crimes. We need to be, you know pulling back laws that are making these cops go after people for doing things that aren't harming other people. We just get rid of those types of laws and just have laws on the books that deal with actually harming people. Like you said earlier, you know, murder, stealing, rape, arson, you know, things like that that are that have crimes that, that have been committed against people. Those that's where we should be, you know, putting our resources and not so much in you know, not in in the nonviolent offenses. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, I just want to, I, I mean, I want to second that, Colin, like, I, I mean, I, I, I don't hate the police, I, I hate what a lot of police departments have become, yeah. um, you know, uh, I've heard the term used, oath breakers, um, and I mean, you know, it's a, it's a sad fact, I, I mean, I, I know a lot of people in the, the older generation really, you know, struggle with coming to terms with it, but, uh, you know, I was having a discussion with my mother the other day, in fact, and that's what I told her. It's, uh, you know, the, the days of, of Norman Rockwell, you know, policing, um, uh, uh, it's, it's, it's come and gone, and there's something much darker that's been left in its place. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's what, that's what we're here to confront, um, and we're going to do everything we can um, to see change, changes happen. 
Um, and if uh, any of our listeners, uh, you know, have any suggestions as to uh, how we as citizens can go forward to, uh, you know, to effectively demand these changes take place, uh, please reach out and let us know. Um, we're always looking for ways to, you know, become more involved in our community and more effective in, uh, you know, calling for change. Yeah. Um, so just uh, a, a reminder, you can look us up, uh, Ministry of Truth, on Facebook, um, there you can you know, leave a comment or you know send us a message. Uh, our email is on is on there as well. If you want to just email it, you know e- email us a message or something. If you want to, you know, like he said, if you've got some suggestions or ideas, um, you know, we'd love to hear them and discuss those with you. Uh, or if you have topics or suggestions for something that we could talk about, in, like in another episode, uh, if you got something that you would like to hear us discuss, uh, we'd love to hear them, and we'll and we definitely love uh, love, to, love to talk about them. Uh, yeah, and, uh, you know, just in conclusion, uh, I want to take the opportunity to, uh, give a little bit of a shameless pitch to, uh, our sister podcast, uh, The Politisip. Um, it's, uh, run by a good friend of ours, Stephen Lusk, uh, a very informed commentator. Um, he, uh, the, the entire podcast is dedicated to, uh, issues surrounding Mississippi policy and, uh, you know, essentially, uh, events, uh, of significance occurring here in Mississippi. Um, great podcast, uh, a lot of production value, very well executed. I couldn't recommend it, couldn't, uh, couldn't uh, recommend it more highly. So, uh, check them out. And, uh, yeah, uh, I guess I'll, uh, you know, go ahead and throw out a little teaser for our next episode. We've got something big coming down the coming down the tracks. Uh, I think you guys are really going to love it. We've got a, uh, a very exciting uh, guest going to join us. Um, and, yeah, so, uh, you know, stay tuned. We've got more coming.